Father, you are perfect, sovereign, all-powerful, limitless, and we praise your holy name. You know what we need before we even ask. We pray that your spirit would lead Pastor Pete to give us all the complete understanding of what James 5, the prayer of faith, has to say. Lord, please do not let us take prayer lightly. This is a gift from the Father, the communication we need for daily living, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I thank you, Lord, that you provided this wonderful tool for us. Sometimes our prayers are not answered in our timing. Let us remember a sincere prayer will never be forgotten, and we are all one prayer away from getting that prayer answered. So on this Sunday, we ask for the blessing of your word to open each heart and mind to speak to all. May you be glorified always. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's scripture reading comes from James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. You can read along with your pew Bible on page 1013. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with the with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The, pr the prayer of a righteous person has a great power as it is working. Thank you, Preston and Rodney. Prayer is the answer. That's the point that James is driving at. Prayer is the answer. Prayer is communicating with the God of the universe. And every Christian has a direct line of communication with God available at all times. And prayer is much more than conversing with words. It's an expression of our heart and our will toward God. And prayer is vital for every Christian's life. More than that, it is essential. And it's essential to everything that Jesus taught us about being disciples. The Bible teaches God intends prayer to be the means by which he obtains his purposes in almost every possible situation. Now, we don't know why the Lord would choose prayer, why he would ordain the prayers of his people to have this effect, but he does. In his sovereign grace and wisdom beyond our comprehension, prayer is the answer. Jesus, Jesus tossed to pray in every situation of life. He tossed to pray before every major decision. Like the night he spent praying at the mountaintop 
asking for guidance, and then coming down to choose his 12 apostles. Luke 6, 12 to 13. Numbered among those apostles, Judas, the one who would betray him. There was a greater plan. We're to pray to overcome demonic strongholds. And I know in our modern scientific thinking, and our postmodern, uh, everything's relative. I think, oh, there's, there's no such thing. It's someone just has a, has a mental illness or a, a sickness or something going on in their lives. But that's not true. There is possession still. There are strongholds that need to be broken. As we see in Matthew 17, 14 to 21, Jesus had to come to his apostles' rescue when they were not able to pray prayers to release a boy. Jesus prayed and the demon-possessed boy was healed. Matthew 17, 14 to 21. And they asked the Lord after this incredible, miraculous delivery, why, why weren't our prayers enough? This is what Jesus said. Quote, because you have so little faith. Was it the faith of the boy or his parents? No, because, because you, my sent ones, had so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be moved. Nothing is impossible for you. But how? Through prayer, through faith-filled prayer. Jesus taught us to pray for a spiritual harvest. He looked out and he said, the harvest is plentiful, but what? Workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest, Luke 10, 12, 10 verse 2. We're to pray to gain strength to overcome temptations, Matthew 26, 40, 41. We're to pray to abide in Christ, John 15, 5. To, to abide in Christ is, is to pray for the, the life-giving, continual contact with the Lord. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever abides in me, I am, the, I am the vine, the true vine. Abide in me, depend on me, is what that means. To remain strong in him, and then to experience the sweet, powerful joy of union with Christ on a daily basis of dependence. These are all reasons we pray. It's absolutely essential and vital to our Christian life. And here today, James has a word about prayer. But before we begin, with a brief message, if you're here today and you're struggling with chronic anxiety, depression, an eating disorder, cancer, mental illness. If you're diabetic or pre-diabetic, these, the, these were the words, that the, the diseases and illnesses that the Lord put on my heart. And, and you're sitting here and thinking, well, he's, he's talking about me. If you don't hear anything else I say for the rest of this morning, hear this. The Lord God loves you and he is here for you. And we are here to pray for you. Whether it is an illness that is totally emotional, totally physical, totally spiritual, or all of the above, because aren't they all so interconnected, we are here to pray for God's healing in your life, which we did just 
after the first service, and we'll do it again after the second. So if you check out, know that. God loves you. God's here right now in this place for you. Now in our passage, we see three praying people, three kinds of people praying for suffering and sickness in some way. Let's remember the context of the, the letter. This letter would have been read to the church all the way back to chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. James is addressing this letter to Jewish Christians who are scattered all over Palestine and they are suffering for their faith. They are suffering because they have said Yeshua is the Messiah. And everything's falling apart. They are sick and tired of the trials they're facing, the hostilities they experience. They are stressed out by the pressures around them in their society. And, and they're angry. There, there's a certain degree of anger that James is addressing in his letter. Because some of those stresses outside the church are creeping into the body of Christ and into their churches. And so James is very practical and very pastoral about the, what it means to be a genuine disciple, what it looks like to put our faith into action to com combat these sicknesses and illnesses and struggles that we have. And we've seen in chapter 5, he's addressing how Christians face suffering through the Holy Spirit's power of perseverance. And where does that power come from? He says no less than seven times in these concluding verses, Prayer. Prayer is the answer. Prayer is the answer to your suffering and struggle. Prayer empowers you to say yes to Jesus and no to the world. Our scripture from last week. Now at first, we see here praying for yourself. Look at verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Talking to God in the midst of your adversity, disappointments, distress, entrusting yourself to the daily care of the Lord every day, throughout the day, before you go to sleep or to be in prayer. Every situation and circumstance of life is fitting to call you forward to pray, to connect with the Lord. Now, the book of James is a pretty heavy book, hasn't it been? Our study's been pretty heavy. Suffering, difficulty, trials. But here James says, uh, we're, we're also, when we're cheerful, when we're happy about something, we're to sing praise. Those are our prayers put to song. And so when we have something good going on in our life, sometimes we forget to pray. We forget to turn it over to the Lord and say, Lord, you heard my prayer. You answered it. I'm walking on the sunny side of the street, and I want to praise you today. James says, in every circumstance of life, from the low lows to the high highs, it's always fitting that we are to pray. The second kind of prayer is elders praying over a sick person. Verses 14 to 15. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call on the elders of the church, and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. Underline that, the prayer of faith. And the Lord will raise him up. 
And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now here we have a passage that's complicated and raises all kinds of questions. It doesn't mean whenever we're sick, we're to call on the elders to, to come over to our house to pray. Do, does the oil have medicinal, sacramental, or, or simply symbolic purposes? Will simply praying really heal the sick? Any sickness? Here we have a person who is so weak, perhaps bedridden, that they cannot get out of the house to come to the gathering of the church for prayer. So we know one category is not included in this. Hay fever and allergies are not included in this kind of prayer. This is serious. This is a serious need of prayer. Notice what it says, the phrase, pray over him. Pray over him. So here we have a brother or sister who is flat on their back. When I pray over people, I'm always over them, but this person's laid out. Because note, it also says, quote, and the Lord will raise him up. So this dear saint is, is flat on their back and they're just laid out. When the elders come to pray, this is a very difficult case. And I think James has in mind physical sickness primarily here, but not limited to physical sickness. The, the text, listen, does not teach every, everyone the elders pray for will be healed. We see examples in the Bible of healing. We also see godly people who are sick and not miraculously healed. There's a case of Timothy. This was the, the spiritual son of the Apostle Paul. And, and Timothy had some type of terrible stomach issues. And Paul's prescription for Timothy was not more prayer. It wasn't call a prayer or a healer to come to pray over you. What was his prescription? Drink some wine. So if you're not feeling well, your stomach hurts, drink more wine, Timothy. You can give that a shot. But he doesn't say to, to call the elders to pray. And then we have Paul himself, who, who we know in Scripture had a thorn in the, in the flesh, this terrible ailment, and there's all kinds of commentaries and, and ideas of what could it be. Was it an ulcer? Was it some type of terrible uh, intestinal problem? We don't know what it is, but we know that he prayed for it to be removed, and the Lord said no. But the Lord also said to Paul, my grace is sufficient, for in your weakness my strength comes. And there are memories that come to my mind of situations when I've been called on to pray pastorally with the elders. I have here in my hand a little brass vial of, of oil that I've carried for 16 years of ordained ministry. I've not once ever had to refill it with the extra virgin olive oil I put in this 16 years ago. I've come by the bedsides, the hospital rooms, people in terrible need, to anoint them with oil, which is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, praying for healing. Yet our prayers were not answered the way we wanted. But we trust that the Lord knows exactly how we are ought to pray. And that not all of our prayers are His will. So this text does not teach every time the elders pray, healing will come. It, it teaches 
that if the elders pray the prayer of faith, the prayer of thy will be done, the prayer of submission to the Lord, the prayer of confidence that the, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the healer, the one true great physician is absolutely beyond capable to bring this miraculous healing, that those prayers are heard and will be answered and will restore life either in this life or in the next one, as it is God's will. The prayer of faith is made by the elders of the church visiting a sick person under their spiritual care. Very specific. The prayer of the oil, the oil being offered, the prayer anointed, I anointed uh, two of our brothers uh, this morning in prayer and the elders laid hands on them. It is anointed in the name of the Lord. That, that means in the name of the Lord Jesus, the one who gives us, the church, the authority. That means that our prayers are subject to the Father's will, but there is great authority given to the church to pray in this bold manner. That when, our pray, when we pray this, we can trust God's answering our prayers better than we know how to pray them. He knows what was meant to be said. The Holy Spirit will intercede and God is sovereign over every circumstance, including sickness and health, so that the prayer is made in full confidence of God's power to heal and God's power to know what's best. So sometimes physical healing has not been in his plans. But sometimes, the most precious of times, the most powerful of times that I remember in every year of ministry, oh God has heard the prayer and has brought a miraculous healing. Kind of healing that make the doctors go like this. How could this be? And we've seen it and we've experienced it. We've witnessed the Holy Spirit answering those prayers as God has ordained, choosing the vehicle, the mechanism, the means of the people of God praying over those in need. The third kind of prayer is praying for each other. Look at verse 16. It says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You know, my son Jonathan, he's 13, and this year he's been attending youth group on Friday nights, and he loves going uh, to youth group. And one of the things that he loves, that he shared with me that he really enjoys, is something that Andy's introduced uh, called Thorns and Roses where the youth are gathered together and they share a, a thorn, a, a hard situation going on, what, what's happening in their lives, and maybe a rose, right? Uh, something good, something positive. And, and slowly but surely, Andy's working, okay, let's, let's go a little deeper. Let's get into this. Let's share our lives with one another. Life on life in community. R remember the main thrust of this, of this text and the context James is writing about healing spiritual weakness throughout the whole letter. Spiritual weariness, spiritual double-mindedness, spiritual depression. And for all of this, the prescription is prayer. Prayer in community. These are the final words that he has. This final uh, exaltation to the people, an exhortation to, to step out. And what is it is to pray for one another. Now here at Nielsville, we have strong prayer warriors You've heard from a couple of them this morning. Great prayer warriors. Prayers for people in great need. 
especially those that are sick among us. But when was the last time, as a church, we confessed our sins to one another? When was the last time you confessed to a trusted brother or sister? When was the last time a small group at Nielsville, meeting for quite a long while, closed their time, and someone said, friends, I need to confess something to this group. I need to ask your forgiveness. I need to ask you to pray for God's forgiveness in my life. That's the prescription of Scripture. That is a command in Scripture, yet does it happen? The Bible says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. When was the last time you did that? In a small group. In a trusted one-on-one mentoring kind of relationship. I think that's happening in our, in our youth ministry when our students share those thorns and when they share those roses and we could learn something from them. When was the last time we did this as a church? The community of believers in loving relationship within the church family, asking for forgiveness in prayer. And receiving what? Healing. Notice something. Look at verse 15 and 16 with me for a moment. James wrote, quote, the prayer of faith will save the sick. And in verse 16, he wrote, confess your sins to one another in prayer so that you may be healed. So the, the sick may be saved and the sinner may be, be healed. And, and it looks like James has it mixed up, doesn't it? Uh, sick people need healing and, and sinners need saving, right? But James reverses the order. And what we learn is that the supernatural effect of prayer is not limited to one realm. It's not limited to the physical here and the spiritual here is holistic. And so we're to bring prayers of healing and saving for one another. Friends, listen. God is 100% committed to change each and every one of us. Romans 8.29 says that God is conforming every believer to the image of his son. How, you might ask? How does that happen? James mentions at least three ways it happens in the church. His answer is prayer. Three ways that this change occurs, that we become more like Jesus. One is that we pray in all circumstances of life. Two is that when we are sick, we call upon the elders to come and lay hands and anoint us with oil for, for healing And for forgiveness, we come together as a community to pray for one another and to confess to one another. Yes, we confess to God for forgiveness through the one mediator, Jesus Christ, 1 Timothy 2.5, but it's also right to rely on one another because God wills it. If you've never experienced it, confessing to another that you trust, I can share my testimony that is an amazing gift of God, of healing and assurance and relief. When you confess to another, you don't even have to say what it is. Say, brothers, I just need to share. There's something hard in my life, and, and, and I've sinned this week. Can you please pray for me? And they pray over you. Or a trusted friend or elder or deacon prays with you. 
There's healing in that. The Spirit can use another person in your life, and that's the kind of authenticity, the kind of faith in action we want to be about as a church. Maybe that person is beside you even now, right now, in the sanctuary. Prayer is the answer. Verse 16, the prayers of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Prayer is powerful and effective. And we will see that power and that effect next week when we come back together to look at the life of Elijah. So let's pray. Oh God, Spirit of the living God, as we come to your table now, we pray that you would prepare us. We pray, Lord, for any here who are, are dealing with a sickness, a suffering, a pain, whatever the, mean, whatever the purposes that you have, God, we, we believe and we have by faith that this is the day that you will answer our prayer. With Rodney's prayer, Lord, that one more prayer and you will answer us. And so, God, we are committed to this. We pray that you would prepare our hearts now as we come to the table to receive